0: All right, welcome back to Sports Talk. Adrian brought us here along with Steve Kaplowitz. Now let's jump right back out to our Village Inn hotline and welcome on Todd Archer. He covers the Cowboys for ESPN NFL Nation. Todd, it's been a while since we had you last year in El Paso. How's everything been?
1: I'm doing all right. How are you guys doing? I think the last time we talked, we were probably talking minors basketball, maybe.
0: I think so, too. That, that's great. So I'm glad to get you back on the program today, Todd. I know the big story from the Cowboys training camp was the fact that players, coaching staff as well, they they were addressing measures that they could take to help create social justice change during meetings after practice today. What was the overall response in the locker room like?
1: Well, we talked to Leighton Van Der Esch and Darian Thompson after practice, and and both guys said we're going to get together as a team and figure out what we want to do and how we want to go forward. Um, no guy said that they wouldn't practice, but nobody said they would practice on Friday either. I think the way the schedule laid out today made it difficult for them to get together because they do practice early in the morning. They're on the practice field at about 8 a.m. Central time, uh, so then they got to get here around 6.30 in the morning if they're not staying at the Omni, so it made it difficult for them to get together before practice. But, uh, we'll see what they do here going forward that mike McCarthy addressed the, the subject quite well and talked about how he's just kind of disturbed by how these things keep happening over and over again and, he, and he's calling for change and I, I think his players want to call for change and how they do that how they affect that change is is what they will be meeting about today, and maybe they'll have some answers later on.
0: How difficult was it for head coach Mike McCarthy, who as it most know, Green Bay, 12 years coaching out there. And what was his reaction to what happened in Kenosha, Wisconsin, after the shooting of Jacob Blake? And then more on this, I know it, it must be just so difficult to just talk about football uh, with everything going on in the world.
1: Yeah, and that's how he opened his press conference with us, honestly. he He didn't even let us ask questions. He just kind of made a statement about everything you just said, that how it's, it's, it seems a little trite to be talking about football, considering the the social injustice and the, and the systemic racism and, and the hurricanes that are uh, impacting the Gulf and, and all the things that are going on. And, you know, for him, uh, Kenosha is, well, I want to say about two and a half hours away from green Bay, but he knows so many people in that state from having been there for so long, his family is still uh, up there and, you know, he's reached out to a lot of people to see how they're doing, to see if there's anything that, that he can do. And um, here's a guy who grew up with his dad was a fireman in public safety and, and has always been taught that, you know, they're there to help people. And I think this has troubled him uh, more so, you know, not, not just the most recent incident, but going back to the George Floyd deal uh, in Minneapolis, a lot of the Cowboys players who so had not even really met Mike McCarthy individually yet We're talking just how great he was to them to bring open discussions and dialogue during that time to help everybody uh, deal with what they were dealing with then.
0: Todd, what were some of your biggest takeaways so far from training camp that you've been seeing on the field with the Cowboys?
1: Yeah, I'm going to go – the easy one, right, is always go with the first-round pick, especially since they didn't have one last year. But C.D. Lamb looks like the, the, the right guy to be wearing number 88. When you factor in this franchise and the history of that number with Drew Pearson, Michael Irvin, and Des Bryant, he he's fit in seamlessly here early on in his first training camp and has really looked the part. And you know, when you hear that Amari Cooper come out and say, "Hey, the expectation is three wide receivers," you know, you kind of roll your eyes a little bit. But then you see it and you're like, "Yeah, okay, he can get a thousand. Gallup can get a thousand, and C. he can get a thousand. Okay, uh, but but C D Lamb has looked really really well." here in training camp. And then the, the defense, I think, is just in general, right, it looks so different in terms of their scheme and their their disguises and their personnel has changed a little bit that it's not going to be the same tired we're playing single high or playing cover three. We're just going to try to affect the quarterback with our front four.
0: There, there's
1: a lot more movement and things going on with that defense that has, frankly, given the Cowboys offense some trouble. Now they haven't had their tackles and Lael Collins and Tyron Smith for a good portion of camp. But I think the defense is off to a productive and positive start as well.
0: Well, let's stick with the defense a little bit more. I just want to talk and hammer about those new additions in Everson Griffin and Alden Smith, and it seems like they've been making headlines throughout training camp as far as their production and what they've done so far with the Cowboys.
1: Yeah, Alden Smith from the first day, a little bit like C.D. Lamb, he, he makes a play where he almost uh, intercepts the, a, a screen pass that floated over his head that kind of made you do a little bit of a double take to say, wow, how do he do that? For a guy who's not played football since 2015, he's kind of settled in, and, and you're almost like, okay, I know what this guy's going to be, and that might not be the right way to think of it because it's been such a long absence for him. But he, he really looks the part, looks like he's ready, um, and and can really help this defense. And the same with Everson Griffin. It's like he's been here a while, and the dude's only been here two weeks. Uh, he's fitting right in with the guys. He's helping the younger players, and you're seeing the ability as well. There, there was a play where they tried a little – flip draw to to Ezekiel Elliott, and and Griffin took a couple steps up, noticed, recognized it, came back underneath, made the tackle, and just his ability to read and recognize things quickly helps in the run game and in the pass game. I think you you add him to Demarcus Lawrence, Alden Smith, Tyrone Crawford, Uh, they have options up front that can give, along with these looks that new coordinator Mike Nolan's going to have, that can give the offenses more fit.
0: And back to CeeDee Lamb. He has the size, as we know from Oklahoma. He has the hands, but what he's been showing on film so far from the Cowboys training camp for his route-running ability, gosh, you just think CeeDee Lamb is going to be a monster in this league.
1: Yeah, you do, and you want to kind of temper it, right? Because he is a rookie, and you know I think last year's leading rookie receiver maybe have been Terry McLaren up in Washington had, well, let's just say, fewer than 60 catches, I think but a really productive rookie season. Uh, there, there's a lot of things that these guys have to learn. I think the best part for C.D. Lamb is he doesn't need to be a stud right away. He can learn from Amari Cooper, learn from Michael Gallup. The, the presence of those two guys will take some of the burden off him in terms of uh, production and in terms of what defenses can do to him. So, uh, you know, he's, as I said, he's looking the part and he's looking like a guy that can be ultra Productive as a rookie.
0: Well, you talk about ultra productive as a rookie. How about Trayvon Diggs from Alabama, the cornerback? It seems like he's been making a lot of headlines when it comes to training camp and you know joining that Dallas Cowboys secondary.
1: Yeah, especially the last couple days. It's funny, you know, you you hate to see players go down and get injured, but sometimes that's how you get your opportunity. And Cheeto Uzier suffered a knee injury while he was making a tremendous interception the other day, and has kind of been limited since then. And Diggs has gone in there and had his last couple of days, or probably his best couple of days, an interception on Thursday, a, a, a leaping, plucking kind of catch of a Dak Prescott overthrow, a pass breakup on a throw to Gallup. You, you know, you, you hear about ball skills in college, and sometimes they don't translate. He, he's really looking like he's the part. I don't know if he's a week one starter necessarily, but you're seeing the, the graph on him go up since training camp began. He, he's, been, he's been solid.
0: We talked a little bit about the wide receiving core. Let's go to the tight ends real quick. Blake Jarwin, Dalton Schultz, Blake Bell. What do you make of this group?
1: It's going to be, we're so used to Jason Witten, even if Witten wasn't around in 2018. We're so used to Jason Witten dominating that position for a decade and a half plus uh, in how he played and the, the solid blocker that he was, the great locker room guy that he was, the productive pass catcher he was. Uh, a guy who would get, even last year, I think he had four, five, six touchdowns after a year away. So, But Jarwin plays the position differently. He's more of the pass-catching tight end that you can stretch the seams with. We've seen that in practice. Uh, Blake Bell is more of the blocking type. Um, you put him at the line of scrimmage. Kansas City did that last year. He backed up Kelsey. still played almost 40% of the snaps. He's a guy that can help out. And then, you know, Dalton Schultz, the draft pick from a couple of years ago, He's really having his best camp, especially in the passing game. So they'll miss Witten in in circumstances and situations in in the locker room. But I think production-wise, I, I think it stays there. If And I'm not going to say it's going to go up because we just spent time talking about 3,000-yard receivers. We've not talked about Ezekiel Elliott yet. I don't know how much more productive the numbers can get for the tight end because of what's around them. But I think they'll play at a solid level.
0: We're talking right now to Todd Archer of ESPN. There's a lot to consider between the Cowboys signing Earl Thomas, seven time Pro Bowler, who was released by Baltimore over the past weekend. But before we get Todd's thoughts on that, let's get a bottom of the hour Sports Center update as we continue. We're talking right now to Todd Archer. You can follow him on Twitter, at Todd Archer on Twitter. He covers the Cowboys for ESPN NFL Nation. Todd, switching it over to one of the big storylines coming out of this week, of course, Earl Thomas, the seven-time pro bowler. Um, He's rumored to be linked to the Cowboys and some sort of signing moving forward after he was released by the Ravens, but there still seems to be some conflict on whether or not to sign him and take that on in their secondary. What has been kind of your takeaways pro getting Thomas on this roster and then on the flip side, what's what's against the thought of getting him on?
1: Yeah, this has been a story since what do we want to go back? 2017 I think when he he walked arm in arm into the locker room, basically with Jason Garrett, after they played around Christmas time. Uh, then 2018, Cowboys made a trade offer that Seattle rebuffed as a free agent last year. The price tag was just too high for the Cowboys to want to go there on, on Earl. And now he's available, and they're immediately called the leading contenders. Um, I think there's a reason why, if the Cowboys are the leading contenders, and they've not signed him yet. It tells you that there's at least some pause there from the team or they don't want to meet whatever asking price that he's going at. Uh, you have to think about how he left Seattle and how it ended for him in Baltimore and wonder if that's what the Cowboys want to bring to the locker room. There's no question that he, he would be their best safety, right? I mean, you know, no, no offense to the guys that they have here, but Earl's a however many-time pro bowler, an all-pro, maybe a potential Hall of Famer down the road. But I think there's some other stuff that would come with it that might preclude the Cowboys from getting deeply involved with him being on their roster in 2020.
0: Seems like every day I'm reading about another play, defensive player getting to Dak Prescott in the backfield. Is that a concern for the O-line uh, with all the injuries that have piled up, or is that maybe a testament to the defensive front and how they moved along?
1: Right, it depends on what side of the ball you're you're a fan of, right? If it's, if you like the defense, man, look at that defense, they're great. If the offense, Mark McCarthy and offensive background, he might be saying, ah, I got a little worry here, but I, w- I will temper some of the Dak having to move and run around and do some things because he's not had Leo Collins yet in a full practice, and Tyron Smith has missed the last, uh, let's call it, a week or so with a hamstring. Both those guys were on the field today for individual drills, didn't do any of the teamwork. But as soon as they – when they round into form, get back into the day-to-day grind of, of football, I don't, I think you'll see the, the Dak not having to run around as much. And that doesn't take away from – what your defense has done because there have been times in the past when the Cowboys have thrown backup tackles at practice and the defense had not gotten a sniff of the quarterback. So the the defense is doing what you want it to do, and Dak said this is going to help him down the road having to make some of these plays when things break down. So he's he's viewing it now uh, as a positive here in late August that he's having to work through practice this way.
0: Speaking of injuries to the offensive front, Connor Williams rejoining the offensive line from a torn ACL last year. What are your first impressions on him returning?
1: Yeah, I was surprised that he's been able to do everything and, and, and kind of – re I don't even want to say reclaim his left guard spot because he's never really had a chance to lose it because he's been with the, the starters from the first day of camp. He's had one day off as a, as a maintenance day uh, coming back from such a serious injury. But, it, you know – I'm not going to pretend that that I'm an expert on guard play, uh, but you're not noticing him uh, miss blocks and, and noticing pressures allowed by him up the middle. I think, he, you know, having him back is a, is a good thing. They like what Connor McGovern has done as as his backup. Uh, Joe Looney filled in for Travis Frederick and done a solid job as well. And then you got, uh, here's why I will say I'm a guard expert, the best guard in football, Zach Martin on the right side. So, they 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 feel good about where they are, and Connor Williams is um, more seasoned than he's been, uh, having to play so much his first couple of years, and, and I think he knows that this is an important year for him, for his future to a make it through healthy and be improve on what he was able to show his first couple of years.
0: Todd, you've been great. Thank you so much for all the time. My final question, what are some of the final things that the Cowboys need to work on before they get ready to start the season? It's wild to think that they'll be taking on the Rams on September 13th. Wow, that's just right around the corner.
1: I wish I could say let's see him in a preseason game, but we don't have any, so <laughs> yeah. that's out. But you just want to see – I'd like to see uh, Zeke in the running game be more productive. And and, and it's not that they've been unproductive, but we've just not seen a lot of it. And maybe some of that is a product of the line and the guys not being in there. Uh, But but I want to see more of the run game here in the last, however, what we got a week or so of camp before they turn their full attention to the the Rams on September 13th. And then on the defense, more ability to take the ball away. They've done a good job of that here in camp. Uh, and that's going to be the key for this group. Yeah, you got to pressure the quarterback, but when you pressure the quarterback, you got to get poor throws, and when they make the poor throws, you got to pick it off. We're seeing more of that in camp than we've been, and you want to see more of that as they close out camp.
0: Appreciate all the time, Todd. Thanks so much for getting on the program, and we'll look forward to getting you back on the show soon enough. Sounds great. Thanks. Appreciate it. He's Todd Archer and covers the Dallas Cowboys for ESPN NFL Nation. You can follow him on Twitter, at Archer. We're going to take a timeout right now. When we come back, we'll get to more phone calls at 880 5763. We'll also relay any Twitter questions that you may have for us at 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. And also send us a message on our free mobile app powered by United Bank. But first, let's get to ABC7 News and then Charlie 1 with traffic.
2: 21 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. The vote does not look good for those of you that would like to hear the new Sports Center theme song. We asked you on our poll which Sports Center music do you prefer. 14 of you have voted. All 14 of you have chosen the old Sports Center. So I don't even know if the new theme song is even going to make it to the bottom of the hour the way this is going. Dust off the old classic, Adrian, because it's sure looking more and more like nobody wants to hear the new Sports Center theme uh, as we get to the bottom of the hour. Matter of yeah, fact, right. you know what else is going to be amazing? Since ESPN Radio has completely overhauled their SportsCenter music, the only way you will hear the old music now would be our show. Nobody else will have it anymore because ESPN scrapped it. So you realize that if we play it during Sports Center, it'll be the only time anybody will get to hear that song ever again. And people could be looking forward to it, our Sports Centers because of the music.
0: Oh man, that's right. We're gonna we'll give everybody a little flavor, a throwback flavor when we get to Sports Center each day, then.
2: You can still vote six hundred ES Piano Paso on Twitter as we say hello to Jeff Erickson from rotowire.com. Jeff, have you heard the new Sports Center theme? You know, I was
3: just wondering, is this kind of like a new Coke, classic Coke sort of situation and you introduce this other bogus song to get people to make sure they hang on for dear life for the old one?
2: Well, the old one is the classic, but the new one was rolled out by ESPN Radio last Monday. and yeah, they I haven't heard the it, old
3: actually, one. no. You,
2: you haven't heard it or you have?
3: I have not, uh, but... All right, uh, hang on, hang know, on. Hey, we all know, yeah. I mean, let's face it, if you've listened to radio for a long time, I mean, the the old tune is kind of a familiar thing, and... People don't
2: like change. Cue up the beginning of the old one so that uh, Jeff can hear it, Adrian. Oh, I'm sorry, the new one. The new one. My apology. That's the new one. And, and believe it's got or elements not, of the
3: old one. Um, it, it's does. Not that, that it does. That that far off. I, I, well, I like my new Coke classic Coke comparison here. There's there's elements of the old, but it's it's new, and it's, and it's a little different there, too. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, like I said, people don't like change, so I get it. That's right
2: that's right that's exactly what it is so anyway so far 14 people have voted and they've all chosen the old sports center music so that's coming up soon enough by the way um thank you we're so excited we received the rotowire fantasy football 2020 preview with patty mahomes on the cover and uh you guys did it again you figured out a way to pack a, a lot into a 96 page magazine
3: yeah which is actually a little smaller than in previous years just uh reflection of the reality of 2020 but uh yeah i think uh i think we did a good job i am biased obviously but i'm I'm glad you guys got them glad you like them
2: Rating the rookies is a lot of fun. Um, I noticed uh, there are some very cool columns that you put together in this. Uh, not, and not just that, you have the breakouts as well. Um, and this is something that you will slowly roll out on the website, won't you? You'll you'll take some of the features and over the next few weeks, as we get ready for the season, have a chance for people to check this out as well.
3: Yeah, that's right. And one of the things we'd like to do is uh... – like the team previews. We did an update to the team previews that are in the MAG, for instance. Uh, obviously, rankings are constantly updated on the website as as news dictates, and we actually have news now to dictate that, so that helps. Uh, but uh, it, it's one of those things, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're uh, very happy with it. It's been something we've been doing for a really long time, and I know not everybody gets a magazine these days. Some people just like to have something physical, tangible to hold on to. It's good for airplane reading or other reading, as the case may be.
2: Absolutely. Now we'll go uh, through the mag uh, in a little bit and take some questions for people on Twitter at 600 ESPN. You can also call in off the air at eight eight zero five seven six three. But before we do all that, let's talk about some baseball news. Uh, and, and there's some interesting, real some interesting news. Uh, you look at what uh, the Padres did in the ninth inning today. Uh, I'm sorry, the seventh inning of the of the first game of the doubleheader. Seven runs, all with two outs. Jeff to uh, beat Seattle 10-7 on a walk off three run home run from Will Myers. Jake Cronenworth is becoming one of the most added players in fantasy baseball. Manny Machado has hit three home runs so far today, and they're only in the second inning between the first game of the doubleheader and this. Um, uh, You've got Fernando Tatis Jr. hit one on the roof today of uh, of the building. That's only been done once before. So the Padres are streaking, and they're in second place right now in the NL West.
3: Yeah, they're so fun to watch. And remember how we used to say, okay, stream against the Padres especially in Petco. He can't do that anymore. It's a different It's a different team. They're playing more day games, so that helps. It's been hot weather in Southern California, but there's just a different team that they take and rake a lot more, uh, and that, that's really worked out. And it's so funny. I was watching that game, but I was recording a podcast at the time, and so I was watching this. I kept looking up. Oh, it's 7-5 now. Oh, it's 7-7. Oh, it's 10-7. Well, at least they got a couple more innings. Oh, wait, it's over. That's right. It's only a seven-inning game. You know, it was one of those, like, every little realization is like, oh, wow, that just happened. That's just a thing that happened. And, you know, Will Myers is coming in and contributing for uh, moments here. They're doing this without Tommy Pham. This was the Tommy Pham trade. and turns yeah. out it's the Jake Cronenworth trade.
2: Isn't it amazing? And I thought Pham actually is going to be a really nice fit for the Padres when he's healthy, but you Mm -hmm. look at what Grisham's done with three home runs in a game last week, Tatis, Machado, Eric Hosmer's hitting, Myers is hitting, you mentioned Cronenworth. It seems like they're all hitting right now with the exception of Austin Hedges and Yerkson Profar.
3: Yeah, they've gotten, and Francisco Mejia wasn't hitting before he went on the I.L. They haven't gotten anything in the catcher spot, and that's the thing that's pretty amazing. You know, like everybody else in baseball, they need more pitching, especially in their bullpen. You know, I, I don't know how many trades they're going to be able to make uh, before the trade deadline. But you know, if, if anything happens, it's going to be a reliever. You know, I think that that's going to be the most likely uh, result and the easiest thing to acquire. Now, of course, there's like eight other teams that are competing for those bullpen arms. But you know, I, I think you know they're they're pretty much. I don't know if they're locked now for a playoff spot, but they're pretty darn close with this expanded playoffs. And you know, it's now it's a question of. You know, how many times do we see these teams these young talented teams with loaded with prospects compete before everybody expects them to compete? This is the latest example of that.
2: Great point. Hey, meanwhile, uh, how excited were you about watching uh, Tristan McKenzie's debut with Cleveland last week?
3: That pretty awesome stuff. You know, he did against the Tigers, which helps, but ten Ks. Uh, it's you know, they've kinda of said, Well, sorry, Zach Please, Zach, there's no room for you right now. We got this McKenzie kid, and he was. And the thing about him is, he was a prospect all along, but he's been battling some injuries in the minors. Finally got healthy, you know, and had a heck of a debut. Enough that they, to encourage them, just keep rolling with him for a little bit more. They brought back Clevenger yesterday. Clevenger, uh, you know, you know, is back, and who knows if that's a showcase situation or what. But uh, you know, the Indians are a pitch, starting pitching development machine.
2: They are. I was a little surprised they brought back Clevenger considering they demoted both, and I didn't expect them to really show favoritism to either guy, but you're right, it could be a showcase situation. Um, There's other rookies that have debuted that are exciting to talk about. Ian Anderson, the starting pitcher for the Braves. You've got Sixto Sanchez, the starting pitcher for Miami. A lot of cool storylines, and then also uh, we saw the uh, debut, speaking of Miami, uh, Trevor Richards' uh, debut, or is it... uh, um, so this is, is it Trevor Richards or is his last name? Um, or am I right on that? The, from Carlsbad, the former number one, uh, former first round pick.
1: Oh, okay,
3: yeah. I mean, you know, the thing is, that they, you know, they've gotten, you know, they, they've been cranking out so many guys this year. They've had like ninety six roster changes already. Tough, tough enough to keep in, uh, on track of that. You know, Sanchez is the one that I was kind of focusing on, but they, they they kept on rolling a bunch of guys out, and so yeah, you're you're kind of like, wow, you know, they they've they've been. You know, really, really uh, trying to do a lot here, but uh, Trevor Rogers is who you're thinking. That's it.
2: Think. Thank you. Thank you, Trevor Rogers. That it was exactly. driving me crazy, too. Oh, I'm not going to lie. Well, you know, between the two of us, I knew somebody would get that. But there's some good names out there. And then also, um, you know, I'm, I'm watching what Joey Bart's doing right now, a catcher with the Giants. I know his batting average has started to fall off a little bit. But he's the future and uh, a former first-round pick. And, and he's getting an opportunity in San Francisco this year thanks to Buster Posey opting out.
3: That's right. And I'll say this. How many catchers would you take over Joey Bart right now?
2: Nine? Ten?
3: Keep in mind, Mitch Garver's hurt. That's one of them that you Uh, would have. There's not too many that I I would take over him for the rest of this season.
2: No, it's a terrible position. Um, When you talk about depth, uh, it really is. So when you've got a quality guy, you jump at it. Do you like the Taiwan Walker trade to uh, Toronto today?
1: You know,
3: they are desperate for arms right now. Uh, You look at uh, all the injuries that they've had so far, they needed someone that could give them some innings. It costs them a player to be named later. as someone not on their 60-man roster. So, yeah, I mean, you know, they lost Shoemaker, they lost Pearson, they lost Thornton. In the case of Thornton, he's done for the year, and I, I wouldn't be, expect much out of Pearson or Shoemaker this year. And again, span- expanded playoffs are giving them this opportunity. So they need, but they need to get through some innings here. Uh, they've got some games to still make up. You know, with the, they've had their share of cancellations to deal with. Uh, the, that series against the Phillies, for instance. They've had to play a couple double hitters already. Uh, so, yeah, they, they, I still think that they'll fall short. Now, the question is, for someone like Toronto, they're probably going to be the third-place team in the East. Now, pro- that might be enough right now. That would be enough to get them into the playoffs. But your reward is that you're probably going to be knocked out in the first round. Is it worth it to give up much of the future? Probably not. But, you know, stranger things have happened. I, I think if they had a, you know, a fully healthy boba shed, it might be one thing. Uh, but uh, I, maybe, and then maybe they'll have them for the playoffs. because Their young lineup is fun to watch, but the pitching's just not there.
2: We'll talk fantasy football next with Jeff Erickson from RotoWire wire right after SportsCenter at the bottom of the hour with Adrian, brought to you by McDonald's. Get a taste of irresistible hometown flavor with a green chili double cheeseburger made with authentic hatch green chili for only $2 at McDonald's. All right, Adrian, thank you very much. Jeff Erickson back with us. Rotowire.com, your premium source for fantasy sports. Uh, question from our pal Johnny Condren and Chaparral on the app. He wanted to know, um, if you had a choice in a PPR league, would you keep Deshaun Watson or Jimmy G?
3: I would keep Deshaun Watson, and it really wouldn't be particularly close.
2: And is it just because, from a fantasy standpoint, Jimmy G is not a top uh, five or even top 10 uh, quarterback?
3: Right. I mean, uh, yeah, he's probably drafted in the 20 to 30 range, to be honest. Uh, You know, keep in mind the Niners are a running team first. They're running in defense first. They don't have a lot of volume. You add in the injury to Debo Samuel, the injury, you know, Brian, Brandon uh, Ayuk is dealing with a hammy right now. He'll probably be all right. He's looking all right. And, uh, but there's no Jalen Hurd. They're trying to add wide receivers right now uh, just to ch- have enough healthy wide receivers. They don't throw the ball that often either. Jimmy G doesn't run. Deshaun Watson does. Um, there's a lot of reasons why. Yeah, it's It's not especially close.
2: I think the reason Johnny probably thought twice about it is when you you don't have DeAndre Hopkins and he loses his favorite target, you wonder what will happen to his fantasy value as a result.
3: And that's fair, um, but Garoppolo's still not going to pass him up. I mean, it would take yeah. I you know I, I, there there's there's what uh thirty percent. I could be 20%, twenty percent, twenty thirty percent chance wrong of be, uh, being wrong about that. But if you look at any sort of like ADPs out there. Garoppolo is like twenty to twenty-five in the quarterback rankings, and Watson's the sixth. If, if you feel strongly enough that Jimmy G has got a higher upside than that, trade Watson, get something for him. Make you know they're, they're not, it's not an equal choice right now, so you need to find a way to maximize that perception. Uh, don't I just know, keep yep. Garoppolo.
2: All right. Again, you have a question. You can send it to us on Twitter six hundred ESPN El Paso. Probably the easiest way. Although you can message us on the app and chat, just like Johnny did a moment ago. Um, And I apologize for for um, not giving you a chance to finish a moment ago. Um, Clyde Edwards Hilaire is a very, very popular rookie uh, this year, but I'm wondering. CD Lamb is doing everything in practice. How much is he starting to skyrocket up rookie draft charts right now?
3: He is. He is. But it's still, you know, CD Lamb rocketing up the depth charts is still put them around wide receiver twenty-five to twenty-eight. Whereas Clyde edwards hilaire is going anywhere from four to ten overall. You know, it's you know again, it's a you can get both. And you should you could get both you know the thing about that draw, uh, hurts Lamb's value is two things. one, he's one of three wide receivers in the cowboys system there that are all very good i mean it's it's the thing about getting c d lamb it's a great value add for the cowboys, and i, I it's great by them, but they also have Gallup, who was you know they spent an early pick on before, and it's is fantastic, and of course amari cooper uh there's you got to have enough uh, targets to go around. Uh, the other thing is, too, just as much, I've heard a lot of people tearing up camp. You know, I, you know, a lot of rookie wide receivers. Now, granted, it's an amazing rookie wide receiver class. Some of that's part of the issue. But uh, let's see. We have, we've had no preseason games. You know, that, that hurts us in terms of the developmental time, no OTAs, no mini camps. So you expect that the impact from these rookie receivers to take a little longer to happen. But, you know, go get both. Get, you can probably get Lamb in the seventh round of your draft and still get Edwards-Hilaire.
2: Would you exercise caution in general when it comes to drafting rookies in in redraft leagues? Generally speaking, I would.
3: This year seems different because you know there's a lot of skill position players that were really hyped up. A lot of people think that look highly on them, and um, you know I, I I think I'd want to get more of those. And I wanted to have more picks in my dynasty league in this year's draft. So I, I turned down some pick you know some trade offers for. More picks in future years just because this year's draft class is so good. Keep in mind, we're going to have fewer college players playing this year, so next year's draft shoot, uh, draft class will be more of a crapshoot than usual.
2: That's very true. Um, so, and, 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 you know, I'm looking at the website right now, and I talked about this last week. I love the daily training camp notes because I think that that gives people probably the best. Um, overview and really the hardest part is probably just handling the injuries right I mean you just you know today Stefan Diggs sore back Joe Mixon migraines hamstring George Kittle Montgomery four to six or two to four he's out I mean ultimately you probably know very little on you know guys that are going to suddenly move up or down the list but you just want to be careful with injuries that could affect you heading into the season
3: yeah that's right and uh, that it's Harder than ever to get good information. We've talked about this a little bit before. Uh, reporters are being restricted in what they report, how they can report. They can't tweet during practice, so they have to like do afterwards. They can't talk about who's practicing and what groups. Uh, so it's a lot harder right now uh, to get good information, let alone a lack of usual milestones. The No Hall of Fame induction, you know, no, no uh, preseason games. The usual reminders we get, hey, we need to schedule my fantasy draft. They're not there. We're everything seems like we're behind by a week or two.
2: That's true. Um, if you're a if you draft Levy Bell, should you be worried this year just because he is uh, tweeting things that are contradicting his head coach?
3: <laughs> oh yeah, I mean you should have been worried already because of the experience last year, the lack of yards per carry, just the Adam Gaze experience. You know it, it, the, these offenses have really kind of struggled uh, the last couple. You know either with Miami or and now with the Jets last year. Yeah, I I, I absolutely uh, think you should be concerned about that. Uh, he's he's kind of on my no-fly list. I love him as a player, but yeah. it, it's a really bad situation.
2: And what are the Jets doing, by the way, adding uh, Kalen uh to a team that <laughs> already has Le'Veon Bell, Frank Gore, and uh, LaMichael Perrine?
3: Yeah, when he's about to be released, why not just try to sign him? I, exactly. I, I don't understand. I mean, it's a additional seventh-round pick. The cost is very low, but... Honestly, that that was kind of bizarre to me uh, to see that. But you know what? Coach, sometimes you know a coach fixates on a certain player, and that seems
2: like to be the case here. I agree with you. I know you saw the story about the Giants uh, looking at the possibility of sitting out a game in the regular season to, pro- uh, to protest social injustice. We saw it with basketball it went to, the, uh, to Major League Baseball. Now tonight's NHL playoff games have been called off. Do you think that uh, by the time it hits the NFL and the season starts, we could see teams uh, that uh, would ultimately uh, sit out uh, as uh, a result of uh, protesting social injustice? I
3: can see it happening, sure um it's not my goal not my not my hope, but yeah, I could see that happening. I mean we've already seen a lot of teams not practicing, so that it's not that far now the thing is we the season doesn't start until September tenth uh and September thirteenth for most everybody else, so we have some you know have some time we'll kind of maybe the passage of time will change things a little bit honestly you know I, I think it's going to require change in other venues to be able to you know have that sort of impact you know the change that's wanted by the players so we'll see i mean it's entirely plausible that that still happens
2: let's preview what you've got coming up uh, on the website right now for football as well as for baseball jeff
3: sure uh you alluded to it The, the daily training camp notes are a good way to get you a quick overview every single day uh but we got a lot of different ways to approach this i mean we you know the news cycle helps but you, know, you got to still remember the fundamentals on all these players and we're kind of constantly uh reviewing that our up, our rankings are constantly updated our dollar values are constantly updated at projections uh Jerry Donabedian has a pretty good article about all the the players and he's taken in his various best ball leagues done tons of leagues and you know sh- shared like okay who does he have the most of who does he have the least of that are prominent players I maybe mean, he gives you a good approach on why on that it's a really good article uh so check that all out, free. get your free 10-day trial.
2: Fantastic stuff. Jeff, always appreciate the time. We'll look forward to having you back on the show next Wednesday.
3: Sounds good. Thanks, Steve.
2: Jeff Erickson, follow him on Twitter at Jeff underscore Erickson. You can tweet him directly, and he'll answer you uh, whenever you have questions regarding fantasy sports. We'll come back right after Adrian Ochoa. Stay with us. Still to come, Mark Lowry. Less than 20 minutes away. He'll join us live to begin hour three. Sports talk continues right here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Welcome back. Final hour of Sports Talk as we keep things going with you till 7 o'clock, 600 ESPN El Paso. El Paso Locomotive FC will be home coming up Saturday. That's right. Two days, one hour, 26 minutes from now, hosting Real Monarchs, Salt Lake City. It's the first match with fans that we will see in 2020. Hard to believe I'm saying that, but that's exactly what's happened. Welcome to welcome to COVID. And with us right now is head coach, technical director of uh, Locomotive FC. He's Mark Lowry, who joins us live on the phone lines right now. Welcome back. Mark, how are you?
4: Steve, it's good to be back. How are you doing?
2: Doing fine, thank you. You know, I remember earlier this season when your team took a knee, um, and that was prior to their first home match at Southwest University Park. Now you see what happened with the sports world yesterday uh, surrounding the shooting of uh, Jacob Blake. And and what's uh, what's happened uh, all over the uh, the sports world? Ha- has that been a- an issue that again uh, you've discussed uh, with your team uh, over the last uh, couple of days as they've kind of seen what's happening around the rest of uh, of the professional sports world here in the U.S.
4: Yeah, I think it's something that we've been discussing for the last few months. To be honest, as a team, um, we're very in touch. You know, with what's going on in the world, and, and we're all human beings first. So it's something that's being close to our hearts now—not not just you know yesterday or today, but, but right. for the past few months. So you know, it's it, it's there. It's 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 in your minds all the time. It's hard not to think about it.
2: I think also you have a very diverse roster, and when you look at your makeup, you've got players from all over the world. So many different countries that are all blending together, and that is uh, th- that also really bears note because I'm sure that since uh, so many of them are, are in contact with uh, you know their te- you know former teammates, not to mention people in their home country, uh, they're obviously it's on their mind just seeing the kind of uh, unrest uh, that we have here in the country.
4: Yeah, and that, that's that's a great point. I mean, everyone's coming from different backgrounds and different cultures, which is is really a beautiful thing because it brings different, you know, different perspectives and different different cultures to the table. And, and and everybody everybody's had their own story, if you will, or their own struggles, whether it's growing up in Europe, you know, Central, South America, or Africa, which a couple of guys have. So, um, you know, everybody, we're very diverse, like you said, which also I think is, is an amazing thing because we learn, we learn so much from each other because of that, you know. What what everyone's been through, what each player's been through, um, and, it, and, it, and it makes us stronger as a group, and it makes us more humble, and it makes us more aware of these these moments and the, these things that are going on all around the world. Because you know this this social injustice, it, it, it's it's everywhere, frankly. And you know, like I said, everyone's got their own their own challenges and and, and their own kind of experiences, I guess, with it. And uh, but it just makes us stronger as a group and it, and it, and it binds us and it brings us together and it's, it's really, like I said, a beautiful thing when you have all different races on a team, different, different nationalities, different languages and we come together and we show this united front. It really, it, it really is amazing and I think that, that we can all take hope from that.
2: Is there anything we should expect to see from uh, anybody on the club uh, come Saturday? Do you think uh, there'll be um, any kind of, uh, you know, a message maybe from any of the players that they want to deliver?
4: Not that I know of, Steve. Um, like I said, this is not something that that, that we've suddenly realised is over the last day or so. This is something that we've been in communication about as a group. You know, whether it's on a one-to-one basis with individual conversations, you know what people are going through, what their what their feelings are and sentiments are, and then also as a team, you know, and how we want to show United front at the moment. So I don't think there'll be anything new from the group this Saturday. Not that I know of. I mean, we haven't spoke about anything like that. But like I said, it's something that we want to keep in our minds and, 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 and be respectful of and, and be United and do what do whatever we need to do just, just to help, you know, just just to, to help the shift and, and the change and change. The, the movement that's happening right now. We want, to be, we want to be helpful with that. We want to show support to that. So as a group, we'll continue to be mindful, we'll continue to do what's right and, and, and try and move things forward.
2: How nice is it going to be for you to come back home Saturday and play in front of fans? And even if it's 800, it'll probably seem like 8,000 uh, to so many of, of your players that have had to play in uh, an empty Southwest University park all season.
4: You know, Steve, we we were excited about that. We're stoked about that. We really are. It's see, it's been it's been a long time. I mean, even though we had the first game of the season, you know, which was kind of a normal game, if you will, that was that was on the road in Orange County. So for us, it's been what Sacramento Western Conference semifinal last year, being at home in front of our fans. So obviously, it won't be eight thousand, nine thousand people, but it'll be. Like said, 800, but those 800 will feel like a lot more to us because it's been quiet in there, and I expect these 800 people to make the noise of 8,000, and we want to put on a show for them. It gives us the extra motivation, the extra energy, and gets the, gets the adrenaline going a little bit, and that's what this game's all about. It's, it's not as fun when there's no fans in the stadium. You enjoy going through the ups and downs, the highs and lows with your supporters and with your, with, with your fans and with your community, and, and being together in the stadium is a big part of that, so we're excited
2: I don't blame you. You get a team that's coming in that uh, you uh, were able to defeat uh, on the road uh, a couple of weeks ago, 1-0. You posted a clean sheet in that one, um, and then – this past weekend coach uh, a scoreless draw against the Colorado Springs uh, which was a team that you handled easily a few weeks ago but we talked about this last week a lot of things can change on a week-to-week basis as teams make adjustments and clearly the the group you saw last Saturday in Colorado Springs was a different one than you had a chance to see here in El Paso earlier in August
4: well I think it's just- different motivation to the game for Colorado and we spoke we spoke going into that game when we arrived in Colorado or in the hotel and we're doing our team meetings we we as a group collectively thought that that would be our toughest game of the season the the, the most dangerous game of the season because not only are you dealing with the altitude in Colorado you know it's it's, uh, it's actually the highest soccer specific stadium in the country you know 6,600 feet I believe you're dealing with that. The field there is not great, which makes the game difficult to kind of play our passing game. And then, obviously, I think whenever you put four goals on a team and then you see that same team a couple of weeks or a week later, that's still fresh in their mind. That's still stinging for them. You know, that that emotion hasn't hasn't left them yet. There are not enough times past where they forgot about it. So those four goals were kind of fresh in their minds. So we knew going to that game that, we're going to be going up against the wounded animal. And, and, you know, the expression, the most famous animal is the wounded animal. And when well, we knew that Colorado would want to change the script a little bit, change the narrative, and, and they came at us pretty hard and gave it everything they've got, but the guys show So good character.
2: Coach, you still there? Okay. Yeah, I'm still on the um, your your cell was fading a little bit on us, but we caught the fact that, uh, I guess we had lost you right when you said that they had thrown everything at you in that match last Saturday. So
4: that makes them dangerous. Uh, Show <laughs> great
2: All right, I guess we're having trouble with uh, Coach Larry. Um, if, Adrian, if you can, can, can take it off the air and, and see if we can get Coach in a better cell area, we'll work on that and uh, see if we can get him back on the show here and, and continue our conversation in our 6 o'clock hour uh, with the head uh, coach and technical director of El Paso Locomotive FC. Again, 7.30 Saturday, Real Monarchs, Salt Lake City. It's going to be out at Southwest University Park. It'll also be seen on the CW locally as well as ESPN+. And uh, there will be uh, a capacity of about 800 fans to watch the match between Locomotive and Real Monarchs SLC. All right, let's bring Coach back with us on the phone lines. We appreciate it, Mark. Thanks for uh, hanging in there with us on the the call. But you're right. They threw everything at you. Um, It was, I I guess, the one final uh, stat that – was something nobody really expected was the fact that you weren't able to get the kind of pressure on them offensively that we might have expected just based on the result of uh, those four goals uh, from a few weeks earlier
4: yeah and i that's that's a it's a great point it's something we were disappointed in as a group um the game played out a little bit differently from from our offensive strategy than we we expected and the field made it difficult to kind of generate our combinations and our quick passing, and and like I said, Colorado, Colorado threw everything at us in terms of how they defended. That they they were pretty motivated not to concede four goals again. so they defended really well. They blocked our shots. They 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 one v one defending was good. They got people behind the ball. They made it difficult for us to break them down. And and like I said on, on a tough field with the altitude, you know, the it kind of wears away at you a little bit. So. Unfortunately, we didn't generate the chances that we've been used to, but we we, we stoke it up to another learning experience. We chalk it up to a, a difficult game and a game where we got a clean sheet and a good defensive performance ourselves. And We're looking to kind of change that this weekend at home against Monarchs. We're looking for now to go generate those chances again and create those goal-scoring opportunities because being at home, we want to do that.
2: How nice was it uh, having uh, Brent Kalman in the lineup and playing the full 90 for you?
4: We needed him. To be honest, I mean, he's obviously a high-level player, and it was great to bring him in. But with a couple of injuries back there, with Chiro not being at 100%, um, Drew still being out, Drew Becky still being out with his foot injury, we, we needed Brent to go in and, and put in a shift for us. And he a real commendable 90 minutes for his first game with the team. You know, I thought he, I thought he showed great promise, and we know he's got quality, and it was good to get him involved.
2: You also had the opportunity to sub in uh, Leandro uh, Carillo, uh during second half stoppage time to give him a little action. You told us last week that you were hoping to get one of your two uh, FC Juarez additions uh, in uh, by the, uh, you know, the Saturday match. Carillo had a chance to get uh, some time and um, I'm assuming that as he gets uh, more comfortable, we'll be seeing more of him uh, in the lineup as well.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, Leandro is always one that you want involved because you always want a good forward on the bench who can can score off that set piece or that one chance you usually get towards the end of the game. And that was the idea, to bring him in for those last five minutes, hoping we might get a set piece, a free kick or a corner or one more cross into the box that Leandro's capable of scoring from. You know, look, he's nowhere near match fit right now. Um... Like I said, tough, tough climate for him to go into to play any more than that. We need to build up his fitness levels each day and each week for him, for him to be able to kind of contribute more minutes during the game. And, but he's definitely a guy you want on the bench or involved because he's capable of scoring from that one chance. And we were hoping maybe last five minutes get a corner or something and have him on the field. We'll be able to capitalize and kind of run away with the 1-0 victory, you know, kind of a bit of a snatch and grab away from home. So there was some, there was some strategy, there was some tactical play involved there, but unfortunately he didn't get that chance, but it was still nice to get him on the field and get him involved and get, kind of get his feet wet a little bit.
2: Saeed Robinson started for you, played the first 62 minutes of the match before Omar came in for him, and uh, Robinson had a, an opportunity that uh, nearly was able to put uh, into the net. Yeah, he did.
4: He he pressed that goalkeeper well, and, and he almost made something out of nothing. And, you know, Unfortunately, he was probably just a half a second too slow to it. But, you know, Saeed, that's, Saeed played for Colorado last season. You know, I felt that with him being familiar with those conditions, you know, he had a year of it. Well, he had a couple of years in Colorado. So he'd be a little bit more acclimated to the altitude and those external factors than probably the rest of our team. And I felt having Omar on the bench away from home coming on, um, like I said, there was strategy in that as well. We were looking, we were really looking to come away with a one-zero victory. That was our plan for the game: contain them defensively, keep the clean sheet, knowing that they would throw a little bit of, a, you know, kind of throw the kitchen sink at us because they needed to keep the clean sheet. And then in the later stages, the last 20, 30 minutes of the game, bringing Omar in fresh, having Leandro there as an option, we were, we were, we were hoping to come away with a one-zero victory. That was the plan, and we almost got it. You know, obviously we kept the clean sheet. We kept them to zero. We just weren't able to kind of snatch that final goal.
2: Question on the app from Augustine. It's a two-part question, Coach. He wants to know first if you think that uh, Messi will leave.
4: Messi will leave Barcelona, yes. Uh, I hope he ends up at Manchester City because I think Pep Guardiola is the best coach for him. But um, I think he'll leave. I'm, I'm not sure where he'll end up.
2: Could you see Man City working out a deal with um, uh, New York in the MLS where after three years he goes and plays in MLS?
4: Yeah, I can, and I, I love that idea. I love that kind of that projection, that outlook, because you know, I think even though by that time Messi will be 36, 37, he, he won't be half the player he, he has been or is today. He's, still, he's been known as the greatest player in the world for the last probably 10, 15 years, maybe the best ever. Just to have him, just to have him kind of you know come into MLS, whether it's just for one season, even just a few games, you know, it, it'll definitely help the growth of the game in this country. And I, and I love the the relationship that, that NYCFC and Manchester City have, and kind of uh, that that group throughout the world with different teams, in different countries. It it allows that player transfer between clubs to happen really easy, and I would love that to happen. I think it'll be a, an incredible thing for the game over here have a player like Lionel Messi kind of finish his career off just one final season
2: in MLS. Second part of the question from Augustine. He was talking about your club. He he said uh, Locomotive FC has great build-up and they're pressing throughout, but why do you think, Coach, that uh, the team has not been able to finish uh, you know, in the win column uh, for, for part of the season this year? You know, it's not
4: something that we're too worried about. You know, I mean, you look at the first couple of games of, of this kind of return to play i mean we've been training for a week you know leading up to those games so we we use those games as, as as almost preseason games get people time we did we obviously wanted to win but you know we knew that that it was probably better for us to to, to rotate players for those first couple of games and, and go about it that way so we're not too worried about the win column this this season i think we We've got enough points. We'll continue to pick up points, and we'll get more wins as we go through. But it's just been a difficult year in terms of being able to, to get some momentum going. You know, we had a good first game of the season at Irish County, and then we stopped for two, three months. So for us, it's about the growth of the team, addition of new players, getting better as a group. We'll pick up wins, and we'll pick up points as we go along. But those games that we haven't won, we're not really too worried about them. The performances were good. There was different, slightly different objectives in that game. You know, additional objectives, I should say. Not different ones, but additional objectives in terms of getting guys some match fitness and, and, and working through a couple of players to have a look at some things. So I attribute those those drops in points that I'll do in the season to New Mexico, which really they're the only games we've dropped. I mean, obviously we lost away at Phoenix, but the performance that day was fantastic. And really, nobody goes there and wins. Um, we're expecting too soon, though. The next time we go there, we're expecting... To, to get a win but the game against New Mexico that we dropped early in the season it's not something we're too worried about um, it was about growth it was about learning a few things and getting players some match fitness obviously with it being you know, the first two three games of the return to play it was always going to be difficult
2: what should we expect Saturday uh, a Real team coming in last in Group C they've won just one time in their seven matches they've three losses in a row uh, you handled them the first time on the road what should we expect Saturday it's a good
4: question, Steve. It's a really good question because, you know, like I always find those teams that haven't won to be the most dangerous because, first of all, you know, more of our say they're due a win sometime soon, right? So you've got that almost going against you. And then, you know, at some point they have to find a way to to win a game or to pick up points. So, and our hope is that it's not this weekend, obviously. But I, I always feel more comfortable going to games against teams that are on form and are confident and, and are winning because, I think we match it well there. These, these games are almost always difficult. So really, we're not sure what to expect in terms of what their mentality or mindset is going to be. Um, obviously, they've only won one in seven. So you would think a lack of confidence or a lack of motivation might play into it. But that's never usually the case with professionals. You know, professionals tend to dig in a little bit more when they're kind of going through a bad a bad patch. So in terms of their mentality and their personality, I'm I'm not sure we believe i will set up in kind of a 5-3-2 with a back five like they have done. So, tactically, we're a little bit more clearer on what they'll do. But in terms of their intensity and motivation and and confidence, we're not quite sure what type of team we'll be up against. We know they have quality in there. We know know they have players that can score goals and can hurt you. But we also know that we need ourselves to put in a a high-level performance, an exciting performance, not only for the fans that are going to be in the stadium, but for ourselves, you know. We have two games on the road difficult games on the road, we're back home. Now we want to go and entertain again and score some goals like we did the last time we played at home.
2: We'll look forward to it. Should be a lot of fun Saturday, especially with fans back. Can't wait. Coach, terrific as always. Appreciate the time and look forward to talking to you again next week.
4: Appreciate it, Steve. Thanks very much.
2: Mark Lowry, folks, head coach, technical director. I'll pass Locomotive FC. Come back with more right after Charlie won. He's got a traffic update.